Are you a scaling SaaS founder? Ready to make the leap from leading a team to leading an organization? Join us each week as we refill your think tank with actionable tips and strategies from great business minds you know and those you don't know yet. This is SaaS Fuel with your host, five-time entrepreneur, SaaS founder, and globetrotting adventurer, Jeff Maines. Welcome back to the SaaS Fuel Podcast, where automation knows you better than you know yourself. In fact, it's already watched the next episode, and spoiler alert, you loved it. Well, I'm your host, Jeff Maines. I help B2B SaaS founders like you scale from seven figures, which is good, to eight and nine figures, which is outstanding. Together, we supercharge revenue growth, create premium valuation, and craft a business you're proud of and a life of freedom and impact that you absolutely love. Are you a fan of the Twilight Zone? I watched old reruns growing up, sometimes authorized and sometimes we'll say not. You know, it's interesting seeing some of the old episodes now. You know, I thought it aired for years and years and years, but they were just like re, 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 reruns. It only aired five years, five seasons. And the, the second thing, you know, I really like the stories and twists, but much later on, really came to appreciate the writing. You know, I think it's one of the best written shows of maybe the last 50 years. Jordan Peele recently rebooted, I think 2019, uh, for a couple of seasons. We'll see what happens after that. And it's interesting seeing that again and then in color, because most of the episodes before, maybe all of them were black and white. So very, very different, but it's an iconic show for sure. And I'll tell you, to this day, I can't fly at night without pulling up the window shade and peeking out there, making sure there isn't a creature out on the wing of the plane. How about you? Yeah, has it affected you in in some way? Do you you think about that when you fly? That creature out there pulling the wing apart. At the same time, some of the episodes were very futuristic. Well, the future is here. The current state of technology and AI, we're now at the intersection of the Twilight Zone and Silicon Valley. Increasingly, AI and human services are beginning to look a lot like identical twins. I mean, sure, they're not 100% alike, but good luck telling them apart at a distance. We're talking chatbots so clever, you'd swear they're flirting with you. And I'm sure somewhere, someone is already working on that use case. And when you get a live customer service rep on the phone, Sometimes they're so scripted, you wonder if they're auditioning for a role as series understudy. Companies are making really interesting choices around AI. Some great, great use cases and others, like, I'm really not quite so sure about that. Shopify saw this blurry line and said, hey, why not both? It's people and AI. I mean, they built an early AI tool uh, called the Kit app. And it was a marketing assistant that helped businesses with tasks like social media posts, ads. And then they just rolled it into their overall product and continued to enhance it over time. Now, you can now create an entire store and site with just a few lines of text. That just blows my mind. But they didn't fire their human support team. They kept them around for the tough questions like, how the heck do I optimize my online store? AI handles the mundane. Humans tackle the insane. It's like Batman and Robin, but for customer service. So there you go. Another 60s TV reference. So what do you think? Are you team AI or team human? Or maybe somewhere in between? I spend a lot of time thinking about that question. You know, the answer is, I don't know, as complex as a Rubik's Cube. Studies show that people appreciate AI 
for quick solutions, but at the same time crave human interaction for more complex issues. There's some things that AI is really good at. There's some things that humans are really good at. It's like using a microwave for popcorn and a double oven for a Thanksgiving feast. They have two different purposes, but it's not like you throw one out and only use the other one. It's the right tool for the right job. You know, Get it right, and your clients feel like the Jetsons. Get it wrong, and it's danger, Will Robinson, danger. So here's the multi-million dollar question for brands. What is that balance? What does it look like? I think it's a fine dance, like a salsa, but maybe with a robot. You've got to blend high tech with high touch. Automate the routine stuff like, I don't know, password resets, tracking orders, simple things. But when it comes to building relationships or handling a crisis, bring in the humans. And it's not rocket science. It's emotional intelligence with a dash of algorithms. There's no better time in the history of the world to be in business. I'm absolutely convinced of that. So are you ready to humanize your automations or automate your human touch points? Stick around because we're going to dive deep with today's guest and explore the outer limits. If you could use a little sci-fi magic on your SaaS journey, check out today's sponsor, Champion Leadership Group, the ultimate resource for SaaS founders and C-suite executives to continue to develop themselves, scale their companies, and build alongside other SaaS founders. Supercharge revenue by leveraging our time-tested SaaS growth principles toolkits, playbooks, and frameworks designed to help you scale ARR from seven to eight to nine figures. Collaborate with an elite network of SaaS visionaries as we up-level ourselves, our teams, and, you know, have some fun along the way. Confidently take that right next step that turns into a quantum leap of profitable growth, premium valuation, and freedom. You can learn more at championleadership.com. My guest last week was a double episode, first one we've ever done, Lloyd Lobo, where we focused on community-led growth. You know, Is it a strategy for your SaaS company? If so, how does it work? How do you do it? And how do you do it really well? Lloyd is built, exited, and built again, and he is the author of From Grassroots to Greatness, 13 Rules to Build Iconic Brands with Community-Led Growth. My guest today is Alexander DeRitter, co-founder, visionary, CTO at Inc., the world's first AI-powered content optimization software. Alexander has been deep in AI solutions for a number of years, crafting magical tools for web marketing. He loves to study the how and why Humans and AI both make decisions and how they do it together. Welcome someone who might actually be a time traveler, Alexander DeRitter. Hey, Alexander, welcome to SAS Fuel. Nice to be here. Well, tell me a little bit about your background and your founder story is pretty amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, well, um, my entire career has been pretty cool, actually. I was um, I was born in Belgium, in Europe, and um, I migrated to the United States in the early 2000s. And I had the opportunity to um, be an employee for two years, then be self-employed for half a decade, and then found some amazing uh, co-founders that I was able to start some businesses with. Um, and started and sold uh, two marketing agencies. And uh, my my role um, 
has been always that of a technologist and innovator. And so they call me like the technical uh, founder. Uh, you know that I, you know that I believe that's the term. I worked yes, with yes. Uh, machine learning applications um, since uh, 2008, and um, and so have a have a ton of experience in that regard. Um, yeah, and of course, you know now AI is all the rage, but um, yes. had um, you know have a really have a really nice journey on that uh, in that regard. So tell me about Inc. I mean, the world's first AI-powered content optimization software. I mean, yeah. what's up with that? Yeah, so um, the idea is really from uh, 2015 um, when we saw that um, that neural networks were going to become a thing in uh, search engine optimization. And, um, and we, we figured, we had this idea that if we could figure out what the search engines were looking for by reverse engineering semantic patterns in high-ranking articles, then we could help content creators optimize their content. And the theory proved successful, and we built a SaaS company out of that that uh, helps content creators and brands increase their search engine visibility five times. So um, Google is five times more likely to pick up your article on on a first page result. As a as a consequence of um, using and optimizing uh, your content with this technology, that is pretty impressive, and that's a lot different than the old kind of SEO wordsmithing that uh, that was done. Is that correct? Yeah, and 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 there's a there's a practical uh, reason for all this, right? So you don't want to guess what the black box wants. It's virtually impossible because every search intent is completely unique and different. And so, um, yeah, the ink journey started really at the agency because I've never really stopped developing uh, ML AI solutions uh, since I started. Uh, just applying technology to kind of the cutting edge of, uh, of, the, of the fields that I am proficient in. And... Um, and so then we saw, of course, the AI explosion kind of uh, happen last year with ChatGPT becoming mainstream. And um, yeah, yeah, and we have seen we've seen a lot of uh, adoption in the enterprise and a lot of uh, questions uh, uh, arise around it. So uh, questions like, what do we ha- what do we do about security? What do we do about uh, the date our data? Um, how do we make sure that uh, these things are are safe to use? And so um, this is where a lot of the current thinking process is going, uh, where I'm spending a lot of my time thinking about those type of issues right now. Yeah. So I mean, visionary chief innovator, what future trends do you see in AI and its impact on the marketing industry? The web is changing more than it has been. Uh, since um, really since uh, 2003 or four, And so that's a really important, really, really important fact. Um, the, 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 the change behind it is really because of artificial intelligence, generative AI. And we're going to see the search landscape change a lot in the coming year. Um, first of all, 
uh, Google is rolling out its uh, search generative experience. They call it SGE. And, um, and that is going to, um, that's going to imp- you know, increase the number of zero-click searches, they're called, that, um, that we're contending with. And um, that is for brands, of course, a big adjustment. Because if you are, uh, if you are used to um, having, for example, uh, a lot of FAQ and things like that, then um, that may just disappear, and generative search may just replace mm, that. Wow! Right, and so if you're relying on these things, it it would be a bad it would be a bad day, right, for you. So uh, you need to adjust and accommodate these changes. Um, the changes are uh, manageable. You can um, you you can deal with it, um, but it's a different web. Uh, I like to call it the interactive web because you'll have the ability to uh, communicate with your um, with your with your customers in an, in entirely different ways. Uh, but other people call it the um, read, write, execute web, which uh, which refers to the the idea that uh, you can now have uh, plugins uh, interacting with your search experience. And and those plugins, um, those plugins can um, enable your SaaS company to directly operate within the Google search engine. And wow. so these are very large uh, changes uh, that are going to change really the landscape of um, you know the landscape of SEO, the landscape of business, and how business is conducted. So zero click search. Tell me more about that. What what does that mean exactly? What is a zero-click search? Right. So let's say that in 2008, somebody went to the Google search engine. Um, 99% of the time, right, people are going to click on something that leads to a web page. Right. Um, That's why they're there. Right. But in 2020, there was a study. And, you know, granted, some people questioned the study and so forth and so on. But there was a study that... um, that said, you know, that perhaps even as much as twenty uh, percent uh, to um, and in the, the years before, but recently as much as sixty plus percent of clicks uh, did not result in a um, in a Google search engine um, visit to a web page. Interesting. So, so that is massive, um, and people may see like, well, that would be the death of Google, wouldn't it? But no, actually, it wasn't because as as uh, these changes happen, the pie is also getting bigger, right? So there are more people searching Google. Therefore, there's more overall traffic to go around. And therefore, you may not feel it as much uh, as a brand. But that does not mean um, the trend itself is not worrisome for, for companies because... Um, because it is entirely uh, possible that in time you will um, y- y- you will lose way more traffic than you'd like, and AI uh, generative search AI is one of those uh, things that um, that has a big impact on the amount of people that visit websites. If you can get the answer from um, an AI, then you don't need to go to the website. 
if uh, Google right. has a bot that allows you to um, get the answer uh, from your website by reading your site and trains the AI on such a thing, then why would people still visit your website? And so this is the main uh, this is the main concern that people are having with this uh, change. And so with a zero-click search, I think about how I use Google, and, and sometimes I am actually going and looking and, and doing product research, for example. Or, you know, I may be using it like a personal assistant, and, you know, who won the World Series in 1935? You know, I'm, I'm not going to visit a web page. It's just, you know, something spurred the question, ask it, I get the answer, and I move on. You know, I'd never, never click, and whether I'm talking to it or typing it. Uh, so that would be an, a zero-click search. But do you think that same thing happens in, uh, you know, B2B SaaS purchases. So if you're running a SaaS company, you have your website, you have things out there. The, the generative search experience then would be it's going out and, and finding the answers that, that the user is asking and building them a custom web page within Google so they don't have to go out to five other vendor sites to get those answers. Is that kind of where it's going? <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, you invoked SaaS specifically, and for SaaS, um, something that SaaS owners and companies should realize is that the the future of AI is not monolithic, but is collaborative. And hmm. you have an orchestrator AI that's smart enough to combine different tools together to achieve an outcome. There's many, okay. many prototypes already out there, and these prototypes are going to mature and become more refined and eventually make their way to your day-to-day -day life. And if you're a SaaS company, today the tendency is, um, well, like, let's look, let's look at HubSpot, right? You're like, I'm going to be a CMS, and I'm going to do email, and I'm going to do social, and I'm going to do this. And you keep on cobbling features together. In right. the future... An AI, an AI assistant uh, could work with uh, one SaaS that specifically provides the CMS, one that specifically specializes in email, one that specifically deals with social media, and the AI becomes the orchestrator, the glue that ties all the SaaS together. And you can already experience that yourself if you go to ChatGPT plugin store and you use more than one plugin uh, at the same time to achieve one outcome. Now those plugins are really just uh, API extensions of the of the website that you have. And so this is where we get to the read write execute web. Um, so if you're a SaaS company today and you're doing 5 million things, you have to wonder and ask yourself the question is like what is the core thing that I do unique and different and better than everybody else? So that when the AI orchestrator of the future, this AI system that we're all going to have, right, um, needs to do a task, it's going to say, yep, this is the SaaS to go and to do this particular task. Or if you own an e-commerce site, um, then um, why should the AI assistant shop from you or source ingredients or material from you over your competitors? you will have to be better optimized, more relevant, more authoritative than your competitors. So then does that mean that companies like Inc. will become you know, more valuable or become obsolete as this transition happens? You know, um, the, 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 both, right? The answer is both. Um, in, we are living in a world 
where if you do not reinvent yourself uh, and pivot with the times, you become very quickly irrelevant. And so we have seen yeah. that in the, in the generative space very clearly in the past year. When ChatGPT came out, it was immediately obvious to us that um, you know Google, Microsoft were all jumping on the bandwagon and making it part of the standard operating value of their products and their suites. Right. Uh, Canva is an AI product now. Photoshop is an AI product now. Uh, Microsoft Office in the cloud and Teams is an AI product. Google Workspaces is becoming an AI product. So it serves very little purpose uh, to then continue to try and promote a writing software with AI. Now, um, Inc. specifically has the unique value. And this is where I say go on, to go to your core value proposition. We have this patented core AI that can reverse engineer the value of, um, of, of content in the eyes of the Google black box, right? So um, that is the unique value proposition that Inc. offers that, you know, we, we've, we've grown sites in, with 16 weeks of effort, we grew them by a million visitors a month. Uh, so, wow. Uh, and, and, and often starting from very little traffic, like starting from a site that has 50, 60,000 visitors only. So that core value proposition is still there for Inc. And so, yes, it will remain relevant. And so you can go to Inkforall.com. It's a tremendous value for what it is if you actually take, take advantage of this. Uh, and we recently opened, uh, opened our entire uh, training program, the, the, rocket, the rocket program, we call it, that outlines step-by-step how to do this for your own brand. But in addition wow. to that, um, th- there's, the answer is also no. And so we also realized that uh, a product like Inc. is very relevant in, in today's world, right? Where search becomes more competitive and the content landscape becomes more competitive. So the quality of your content becomes more important. So that remains very relevant. However, we also see a world where um, humans are not the prime consumers of content anymore. Uh, instead, it's the AI assistant. The AIs are the primary consumers of content. And, and we are witnessing, and like we're, this, my job is to be visionary and innovator at my companies. We are witnessing a world that is not happening right away, but where the click is morphing into impression. And and so that zero-click search trend is taken to the maximum with the AI assistant, where the AI assistant is the one doing the browsing, the reading, but then giving you the digest. And the question is, how does a brand survive in such a world? If you don't click to your website, well, then, yeah, Ink for All becomes irrelevant, right? Because, right. you know, but, but. Um, how do you live in a world like that where these impressions are very important? How do you insert your brand in the AI system so they choose you as a recommendation over your competitor? Now that becomes very important. So to the question of, um, to your question specifically, it is very important that you can keep reinventing yourself as a business because the world is changing so fast. And so with that in mind, um, you know, Inc. is a very mature product, uh, right? And and so it actually works really well. And it's it's already update up to date with every Google algorithm update because it works in real time and analyzes these things in real time. Um, but we are 
we are we are we are launching uh, a, a, a new product, very focused this time on enterprise, uh, and um, and we believe that um, there is an explosion of artificial intelligences out there, not just one, and and they all need to like work together, and and in order for them to effectively work together to to um, to be able to execute workflows, they need an operating system. And so we are currently, uh, well, I'm personally currently very focused on creating that operating system that's going to be called Smith with a Y OS. And, um, and a beautiful thing about Smith OS is that you'll be able to take any process in your business and use AI components, intelligent components to just tie them together with lines and the AI will intelligently execute your process, whether it is, these are marketing processes or they are um, very advanced uh, government processes or enterprise processes. Um, the, the first examples of that is we took, because we see the world changing, uh, we use our operating system to take the core of what Inc. for All does the semantic analysis and reverse engineering and run it on our Smith operating system. And it produced um, a plugin for ChatGPT called SEO.app. And so, okay. and so basically by ingesting the Inc APIs, right. And, and running it on the Smith operating system, we're now able to join this read, write, execute web and run uh, our core differentiator as an execution module in that Web3 environment. You can go to ChatGPT plugins and find SEO.app. And while you're using the AI assistant, it can now call upon our, um, our technology to make your content better right there inside the assistant. Because that is really how we see the future evolving. And as we were building that operating system, we saw, we started realizing more and more that every business in the world will need this. Um, and so we made it more mature. Then we got some enterprise uh, workflows that came to our attention that um, they, were, they were trying to solve really big problems relating to where does the, my data go? How secure is this? How do we have alignment and, and control over what is actually happening? These are common problems everyone had. And then how do I create a, um, a workflow in a time-efficient way, no code, so that I can automate like business processes? And we saw these patterns come up over and over. So there's a real opportunity for that. And if I would just sum it up like really short, is that if you go five years in the future, now let's go five years back, people were not used to remote working. Right, global teams, right. fully remote working. Well, if you go forward five years, we're uh, we're ha we're going to see uh, blended teams with digital coworkers. So you're going to have your human coworker remotely <laughs> anywhere in the world, but then you're also going to augment these teams with uh, with digital coworkers. And so all of that is going to take advantage of this Web three explosion of artificial intelligence, explosion of SaaS companies. But that's a universe, a constellation, a universe of intelligence. 
and to tie it all together, make them all work together to achieve your outcomes, uh, that will need an operating system. So I'm currently very focused on taking everything we've learned from working with machine learning since 2008 and actively on AI problems since uh, 2015-16 when we started these agencies that were powered by AI. And then, um, you know, really since 2019, when I started working with GPT models, um, and then most recently, you know, Inc. for All, SEO.app, et cetera, we're taking all that learning um, and pouring that into something I think that is going to be proving very useful for the future of the web and for businesses and individuals who want to scale their, uh, their ideas and make them a reality. I like that. So tell me more about digital coworkers. Yeah. So are these going to be, do they have avatars? Do they come to Zoom meetings? I mean, what, yeah. what is a digital coworker? Yeah. So uh, I think the popular word in the, I think the internet sphere is agent. Um, so, um, so agents, uh, we have seen things like baby AGI, auto GPT, um, and they spark the imagination of the world, right? Um, but these were like very, um, em- em- these are like embryonic states, but there's something called, um, a desire line in, in architecture and design is that you may, you may design your city to have like all like rectangular or square shaped streets. And then right. you have a field in the middle and, and people are going to cross the grass like in a diagonal. You didn't design it, but humans just designed it. It's a desire line. And desire lines eventually become little paths. And then around those paths, um, you know, arises a park maybe over time, right? All of those things that you see are desire lines. The idea of agents, auto GPT, et cetera, et cetera. The world is basically begging this future. And so the digital coworker is kind of where it all ends up. And digital coworkers are, um, if you take a smart core orchestrating AI assistant, that is not a specialist, but it's a good coordinator. And you pair it with a set of tools that it can use. For example, it knows how to use a keyword research product like SEMrush, and it knows how to use Google Analytics, and it knows how to... Um, interface with this, your CMS, for example. You know, and why not throw in the latest uh, trends from social media as a data source? And then you combine it with memory. Uh, so you, first you combine it with tools and access, and then you combine it with memory. So it can, for example, know your company style, tone, and voice. It can know uh, what it already wrote about, things like that. And so you 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 combine those things. What you now have is not just the general purpose GPT, but you've got a specialized PT, right? You've got a, you got ah. a specialized model that knows your brand, knows your customers, and knows how to use tools that are specialized to get the job done. Now, those tools are different for every job. That's why we call this a universe of intelligence. It's an entire web of intelligence. But for your specific job, you hire for these skills, and that's what you look for in that resume. And right. after you have such an agent, it can work in the background 
it can work like a server thread, like in the background, just doing its job, never complaining. But it could also be given what we call embodiments. And embodiments are really cool things that I think are going to evolve quite a bit in the future. One embodiment is that your agent could join your Slack channel and you can start chatting with it. Another embodiment is it's a sales agent. So give an embodiment of a chatbot on your site so it can talk to customers. Another embodiment you can give it is it can um, uh, read and answer emails you send it. Another embodiment is eventually, like you mentioned, um, you give it a, you, you connect to it a tool to give itself a face and it can join a Zoom meeting, right? Maybe there's a SaaS company that you can start just doing that, right? <laughs> and, and, and it can maybe join this podcast one day. And just, sure. Right? And so embodiments are really cool. And um, if we're just allowing ourselves to just be a little bit excited and sci-fi uh, about these things, um, let's think about spatial computing and mixed reality and uh, specifically like the, um, the Apple glasses uh, that are coming sure. out. So if you are wearing glasses, right? Imagine you're in your room right now where you are, with your beautiful nautical background. And you have these Apple glasses on with pass-through. And you look around and you perfectly see your office just right there. Um, but in the demo of Apple, um, at their conference, you know, you could hold up your hand and a butterfly would land on your finger. Right. But you couldn't, you, you, I mean, you could sense that it's not actually there. Maybe your brain fools you, but it looks like that butterfly was actually real because it was in your reality, the reality that you see in high fidelity around you. So um, what stops these uh, eight digital coworkers for also being present in such a way in wow in in that sense and so you can really truly imagine um and this is a phenomenal future i mean imagine you're at work and you're having a legal discussion but none of you humans are legal experts what if you just could summon a legal digital coworker just right there on demand on the spot don't have to go to upwork or fiverr go forever and search for people but just have them show up right there and you're wearing your glasses, you're seeing them, you're interacting with them, you're talking to them. Uh, they can, in a second, be like Neo in the Matrix and I know Kung Fu. Be up to date <laughs> with your whole company history. They, they can read all the transcripts and be instantly up to date. It's not like humans that don't read the company manual or you have to brief and onboard right. them for three weeks. They can instantly add value. And so the moment you don't need them, you just like release the computing resources and you bring in, I don't know, a design expert or a usability expert or an inclusivity expert or a uh, maybe you wonder what the impact is on what you do in terms of um, pollution and, you know, and, and, and or, or you want to achieve uh, SOC 2 compliance and you want to have an expert weigh in on that. You know, what I have found is that, I mean, the United States is a, like pretty low unemployment right now. There's just not enough people to do the work we need to do if we want to do it properly. We are all cutting sure. so many corners. I mean, the piece of content that goes on a person's blog for a company that's, let's say, Fortune 50 includes like 
200 steps in that process before it's approved to release, including legal right. review and everything. Well, us mortals, what about the rest of the web? We don't have the resources to do it properly. We're all cutting corners. And yeah, and then we get an email from somebody saying, hey, what about this? Or can you take down that? And we're like, oops, sorry. And then you do it after the fact, right? So what, what this is really going to unleash, this digital coworker, it's a, an entirely new world of, of work. And we're going to see the first uh, trillion dollar valued companies run by three people. Like, and just augment it. I think that's entirely possible. Yeah. So your company will look different. My company will look different. Um, I mean, the, the, the GDP is of com- com- countries can 100x which means that the value that we create uh, for, for, for nations and, and countries is of such a nature that we should technically be able to put those profits back into our communities and take care of people and create amazing, um, you know, amazing support structures for humans. Um, yeah, so it, and, and that is really the exciting part about it because uh, 150 years ago, I don't know, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 percent of the population was farming, and now it's like three, four percent of the population is farming, and they make a hundred times more food, so to speak. Um, right, right. And so, where did all those jobs go? I mean, do you rather go with a with a shovel and and you know all day long, or you rather do this this cool stuff? Right, right. I rather do this cool stuff. I'm just speaking for myself. I, I know farming is a passion for some people, but yeah, digital coworkers are are not here to replace jobs. They're here to fill all the vacancies that we can't even imagine that we're skipping out on right now. And enabling us to do far more with far less, far more efficient, and have way cooler jobs for humans in the process. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And technology has touched every industry. I mean, even farming. I mean, it, it's just mind blowing the things that are happening now. I mean, harvesters that are, are, are driving themselves and and all based on GPS, and and they're using AI, they're using machine learning, they're using algorithms. Uh, it's it's essentially it's a robot that is is driving and doing something that a person used to do, and so that's where you really get those uh, economies of, of scale. And then those people are going and doing higher value activities instead of babysitting something yeah. driving in a straight line. Yeah, you know, they're they're doing something that's higher value that's more mentally stimulating. And just total squirrel, but I saw like the coolest thing. Like we all know, pesticides are not ideal, right? They're there to get sure. the job done. But they have a lot of you know health consequences, and they wreck nature, right? Um, I saw this project with AI where uh, they used like a high definition camera, and uh, they used like microscopic lasers to zap the bugs <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of wow. pesticide, right? You can have imagine if you can have fruits and and vegetables that are pesticide free. But but because of these advances in technology, that you could still have the same um, you could still have the same yields and the same same um, production uh, outcomes uh, without without using pesticides or without resorting to genetic manipulation, so to speak, of these 
of these uh, plants. Interesting. So, so yeah, yes, technology is unbelievable. I spoke with um, I spoke with a medical company who was using um, who's using technology to augment um, the accessibility of diagnosis. Uh, you know, people often have stuff on their skin and stuff, and you know, before they go to a doctor and get it scanned, and before they get a, you know a trained human being, which are very limited supply because it takes forever to study this. Uh, right. To look at it, diagnose it, it costs a fortune, right? But what if you could have a device like that in your pocket one day? I mean, it's like Star Trek. You know, so let's just scan your arm yes. and be like, oh, yeah, that's that's benign. That's okay. Don't worry. Imagine how much more prevention we can do. Imagine how many more people have access to this. Imagine how quality of life can be improved by these things. I mean, technology, great, is really, truly... Um, a great multiplier of opportunity for this world and for humanity. Um, this is a very exciting time. Um, and I believe that um, right, our specific vision of the future, I, I think that there is a universe of intelligence that we're building with Web3. And, and I want to do my part you know, in a responsible way to help tie that all together so people can extract the value out of that constellation, that universe of, of SaaS and products out there to go and revolutionize how, um, how to get their work done more efficiently and focus on the things that matter. I like that. So with decision-making and uh, people, AI, does AI help people make decisions? Does it make better decisions? Does it help people make better decisions or does it make decisions on its own? Well, I, I, I believe in um, that you should have a human in the loop, right? right? It's definitely at this stage of AI, you should never trust AI out of the loop uh, to, to go and make important decisions in real life. Um, now, if you have a, um, I don't know, if you have a, a digital wallpaper in your office and you let the AI pick what color you want to show it today, um, that's fine, right? We all Low understand risk. that, right? Um, but we need to use common sense with this, right? I think that AI is phenomenal at helping us make better decisions and helping us make decisions. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I do this. I do this all the time. I, um, I record my meetings and I will run the transcript of my meetings through a program. Um, and I will ask it, how did I sound? How did I come across? Do you think I offended anyone? Is there anything I could have said better? Was there something that was not clear? And, um, and questions of that nature. It is ex I think it's extremely enlightening when you do that. And you learn how to become a better communicator, better salesperson, a better human being, more kind, more thoughtful, um, it is, it is like having a personal coach just help you throughout your day in your day-to-day -day life with concrete examples on how you can make better. I have AI proofread my emails and point out things that may be not clear that I could say more clear or, um, in a more kind way. And I often ask like, how would the person reading this perceive this? 
Um, hmm. One of my favorite things to do as well is um, when I have a meeting, I will ask myself, it's like, based on this uh, conversation, what do you think my personality type is like? <laughs> or what are my, uh, what are the, 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 uh, the, the five whys based on my presentation? Like, what is important about this? It helps so much when you can be retrospective and introspective. Uh, about yourself and AI, AI truly can help you become a better leader and a better decision maker. The key thing is learning to ask interesting questions. Don't be shy. Go and try it yourself. You'll be surprised. I like that. Well, you've had a, a couple of exits and uh, and built companies. Um, you know, what was that experience like? What were the key factors that you would say contributed to the success of your your companies, including Inc. and Edgy Labs? Yeah, so the well, th- there's there's the company building phase, right? You don't get to an exit unless your company is profitable and running well or doing some really cutting edge stuff. Um, in that phase, I think um, we we've and when we started like Edgy Labs 2015, 2016, we did something radical and we said it, it's going to be completely remote. There's not going to be a group of people who are in the office and another people who are not, right? We're going to not treat people better or worse based on geography. Everyone is, you know, everyone is um, equal partner in this. And, and no, no matter if you're a contractor, employee, it's a flat organization like that. And we fostered an amazing culture. I think that has done a great thing um, for, you know, profitability. Um, and, but it's also done an amazing thing for company culture. The life work balance that we enjoyed at those companies with the with those team members is phenomenal. Uh, because people could be on vacation or work from a beach or be with their kids. Uh, we've got people who love hiking and that happens to be on a Wednesday and they go in the Colorado mountains and, and, and go and hike and, and, you know, they go and hike and, you know, and, and so th- there's, th- th- that's a very big important thing to create an amazing culture. Obviously you need to have, um, you need to have great clients. And great clients, that means you need to say no to not great clients because not everybody's a great client, just like not everybody's a great employee. And so what helps with that is if you if if you do things that nobody else is doing or you do things that other people are doing, but you're doing it different or better and you remain relevant. And so we had the, for, the fortunate. Um, situation where we have met amazing leaders at unbelievable companies that uh, we've been able to work with that we that that can see our passion and our excitement for what we're doing uh we frequently get that comment in rfp processes etc it's like you know we've interviewed 10 marketing companies or five seo companies and nobody says the things you guys are saying so don't focus too much on the competition just focus on being the best I think for a company, it's very important to, um, and for the entire team and for the team spirit is it's very important that your team feels like they are part of something like people, 
it's not enough just to have a paycheck nowadays. Like people that sure. work somewhere need to know you're going somewhere. Like you need to show them the, the top of the mountain. Even if you're not there yet, they need to see it and you need to show them. You need to paint a picture. And that's the job of the visionary, really. So I would say like secrets to success is like you need a you need a strong vision in your company and you need to cult- foster that culture and um and your value and always be true to those values. And then when it comes to fruition, you'll have a company that is very beautiful, runs beautiful, colleagues love coming to work, and it's profitable, right? And so at that point, you get the exit, right? Because now, you know, everybody wants to have the, you know, the beautiful girl or the handsome guy, right? Right. So if you're, if you're that in a company, you're that to investors or potential, you know, suitors from a business point of view, and you're already attractive. And so that helps with the exit. Now, the, the most, the biggest lesson, right, uh, that I've learned from, from when you get to that stage is how important it is to have had a uh, a business partner or somebody in your organization that has kept the books and the documentation and all the legal part super, super clean. And not just in the last few months before you try to sell, but for, you know, for this whole duration. So if you're currently in a business and you don't have all your paperwork and legal and all of that sorted out, and you're hoping to get acquired one day and you see a trajectory where your company is growing successfully and so forth, make sure you get that in order like a year, two, three years before you even think about going for an acquisition. Uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to have amazing business partners who take care of that, that I consider like more boring work because I'm a more, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm in a different part of the focus and specialty. Sure, sure. But but I, I have seen this firsthand. Uh, these exits would have never happened uh, without the, just years of really good internal due diligence. And then the due diligence process itself, um, is b- they've been twice extremely condensed uh, with turnaround times of just like two, three months. And I would just say that process is, you know, at when you go through it, it's all consuming. But if you don't already have your ship in order, uh, it's it, you're not going to be able to complete that due diligence process at that time. So, um, yeah, just um, it's okay to not like the paperwork. Just hire somebody who does like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's really really good advice. Um, jumping back to to AI as we wrap up, what's a, a common misconception or myth about AI and marketing that that you encounter, and then how do you address that? There's a lot of different misconceptions, but I see like the some people don't share misconceptions, but then have misconceptions in a whole different way. Like for one, like you can have the misconception that, uh, well, Google does not like AI content or AI content is not high quality, so I'm not going to use AI. That's a total misconception. The opposite yes. is true. AI can help you analyze your competitors better than humans can and faster than humans can. And you can create yeah. better content with AI. Right. So, but then the people who do use AI, right, there's misconceptions as well, where it's like, oh, I'm just going to say, write me an article about XYZ and I'm done. And, and then they will fail and they'll be like, well, see, AI didn't work. So there's a lot of misconceptions about 
how to use AI properly for a good outcome. And um, uh, then once, once you do have a good outcome, uh, let's say you get some traffic from it, there's misconceptions around um, over-reliance on these things to the point where you're not focused on building real, real brand and real authority. And then S the game of SEO is changing and Google SGE is coming out with its generative experience. And all of a sudden, you're going to lose that traffic a year from now that you just built up now because you've become over-reliant on it. And that's a misconception as well. And then, uh, the, and then, and and I'll just say because there's so many misconceptions out there. Exponential, exponential change is is always underestimated, even by myself. True. Yeah. Right? We are living in a well. They say that even time is a construct of our minds, and that that doesn't really exist, but just assuming that we you know we're going to assume it's a thing because we all believe it is a thing. Time for us is experienced in a linear way. And so in a way we are linear creatures Our minds work in linear ways. Exponential trends are extremely hard for our brain to wrap our heads around. And I would definitely say that we're in an exponential hockey stick moment. And so if you think Right, that trends are going to be X time away, cut that time in half, and then cut it in time and half again. And so I would say focus on things that are durable and lasting. Like no matter how this is this is gonna be maybe the closing remark or something, but big piece of advice. Um traffic sources come and go. Traffic techniques are getting attention come and go. But what does not go away is your brand value and brand recognition. So with everything you do in your marketing, use it to build up authority for what you're good at so that when the world changes, people still remember to come to you or, or the AI believes that you're the one most trustworthy to go to because that is going to be the lasting investment. Outstanding. Well, where can people learn more about you and about Inc. online? Right. So my LinkedIn, Alexander de Ritter. My handle is A-D-Ritter, A-D-R-I-D-D-E-R, or uh, Twitter slash X. You can find me at same handle, A-D-Ritter, A-D-R-I-D-D-E-R. Um, best to follow me there. Um, the Inc. website is inkforall.com. And um, the Smith operating system uh, will live on smithos.com um, when we launch it to wider public. Currently, it's a uh, it's um, used for very specific enterprise use cases internally and for our internal products. Um, but yeah, the best thing would be to follow me on on LinkedIn or or Twitter um, because I will surely keep everyone up to date as we make progress with, uh, with new milestones and new innovations that come there. Outstanding. Alexander, thank you for being on the show. Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks again, Alexander, for coming on the show and sharing your founder journey and insights into the future. You can learn more about Alexander and Inc. at inkforall.com. 
As always, all links, highlights, resources, and full show notes are available at sasfuel.com. And of course, YouTube as well, where we have bonus content, shorts, outtakes, and quite a bit more. Subscribe or follow us there. Everyone who subscribes this week gets a robo-intern capable of completing your monotonous task while you brainstorm, I don't know, world domination? Sound good? Well, it even fetches digital coffee. So subscribe today, get that robo-intern. Join us Thursday on our SaaS Fuel Expert Series, where my guest is visionary serial entrepreneur and idea guy, Eric Holtzclaw. He is the founding partner and chief strategist at Liger, one of Inc. 5000's fastest growing companies. And then next Tuesday, we have Shanif Danani, who helps businesses connect their internal and proprietary systems to ChatGPT, enabling employees, customers, and stakeholders to reap the benefits using large language models on their own data. Very, very great shows coming up. So I look forward to seeing you again next time. And as always, enjoy the journey. Thanks for listening to SAS Fuel. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned, are available at sasfuel.com. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com slash sasfuel. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes.